Today's message is called Healing in the Atonement. And we're going to be taking communion later on together as a church family. If you're watching online, you can prepare the elements in your own home. Just keep some bread and some juice ready. And I want us to receive the word with faith so that when we partake at the end, we are releasing our faith. Not just for healing, but also for deliverance. Not just for deliverance, but also to be redeemed from every curse in our own lives. Also to receive strength. Also to receive long life. Because all of these benefits are there in the communion. And of course, we all understand that the communion also means that we are forgiven of all our sins. So I want you to connect your heart and your faith to a living act of obedience that we will take today. Not a ritual, not a tradition, but something that we will do by faith this morning. Can you say amen? And I'm believing for many people to be healed in their bodies today. While I was praying in my room, the Lord spoke to my heart that there are some that will have cancer in the stomach and in the nasal area that the Lord is going to heal. So if you know someone who has those conditions, send them a link of this message even right now, this live stream. Enable them to partake and they can receive even for their personal lives. Remember, the four friends brought that paralyzed man to Jesus. And that man was healed because of the four friends and their faith. You may not be struggling in an area today in your life, but your faith to release this live stream to someone can make a tremendous difference in their life. Can you say Amen? And even that time when Jesus spoke to that paralyzed man and said, first, your sins are forgiven. And then secondly, rise up, take up your bed and walk, you are healed. You, are, you will see throughout the scripture, the dual themes of forgiveness of sins and healing of the bodies going together. Because that's what I want to deal with in the scriptures today. Hallelujah. Let's look at this word atonement first. Atonement. What does the word atonement mean? Redemption also means the same. Salvation. All of that communicates the same truth. And let me just read out a definition for you. Atonement is a word that describes the means. That means the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through His perfect life, sinless life, complete obedience to the will of the Father and also His perfect sacrifice on the cross. So the person and the work of sacrifice on the cross. That is the means. The means by which, all right, the means by which God shows mercy to all sinners who believe in Jesus. That is the way by which God shows mercy to the world if they will believe in Jesus and reconcile them back to the Father. So that's what the word atonement means. In the Old Testament, it means to cover. The word in the new atonement means the mercy seat. The place where God shows mercy to sinners. So, I want to show from the scriptures today that there is not only forgiveness of sins, but also healing in the atonement. 
Now, usually all of the sermons throughout my life I've heard during Good Friday have focused on the forgiveness of sins, the blood of Jesus. And usually when people preach about the cross and the communion, they focus on the blood, the juice through which we are forgiven of our sins. And that's absolutely true. There is no salvation without the blood. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The precious blood of the Lamb has washed us and cleansed us. Can you say Amen? It's the blood through which we have life, through which we have victory over Satan. The blood is the ground upon which we stand and we fight against the forces of darkness because the blood cannot be answered by Satan. He has no weapon against the blood. He has no reply against the blood. It's the blood that has redeemed us. Hallelujah. But I want you to know today that when Jesus makes reference to the atonement, He not only talks about His blood, He also talks about His body. In Luke chapter 22, verse 19 to 20, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given to you. So not only was the blood given for us, His body was also given for us. Everyone say His body. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So we must remember not only the blood, but also the body. Likewise, He also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant. So when Jesus was dying on the cross, on the day that we, we commemorate as Good Friday, not only was His blood being shed, but His body was also being torn and bruised and ripped apart for us. So when Jesus came to Paul and gave him the revelation of communion, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we see that. All the way from verse 23 onwards to verse 29. You can look at it later. Paul says, this was a revelation that Jesus gave to me personally. That first, he took the body, broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body. Observe this. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, we also to take the cup in remembrance of the blood of Jesus. And then in verse 29, Paul says that when we take communion by discerning the Lord's body, properly estimating, valuing, understanding what the body means to us, we will not be weak, we will not be sick, and we will live long. And so we need to understand the benefit of the body for us. The objective of this message is to reveal to us the power in the atonement so that when we partake of communion together today, all of us will release our faith. Can you say Amen? So we're going to look at two pictures, two types of the atonement in the Old Testament. First is in Exodus chapter 12, the Passover. The Passover. You can turn to Exodus chapter 12 and you can also look on the slides. The Passover. The Passover lamb that God told Moses that every household of the Israelites must take for themselves and they must kill the lamb and apply the blood on the doors of the house. And it was because of that blood and that lamb 
that Israel escaped the judgment that came on Egypt that night. And they were delivered from bondage and slavery and released into the promises of God. Now, why is this story in Exodus chapter 12 for us today? Not only for the Israelites. It's because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Christ is our Passover. Now we must understand the Bible properly. The Old Testament stories are types of New Testament truths. The old is a shadow, the new is the substance. The Sabbath, the sacrifices in the tabernacle of Moses, even the tabernacle of Moses, even Moses himself, David himself, they are shadows and types and pictures. It's like God is communicating to us in show and tell pictures, right? In kindergarten, they show the pictures so we can understand better. So God is showing us pictures of redemption in the Old Testament stories so you can understand the value and the power of Christ better in your life. So the Passover lamb is really a picture of Jesus. Christ is a true Passover. And if you want to understand what the sacrifice of Jesus means for you today, you go back to Exodus chapter 12 and you understand it. Are you with me? Alright, let's look at verse 3 and follow from Exodus chapter 12. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, On the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself, everyone say himself, underline that word, himself a lamb. What does this mean? It means your faith must be a personal faith. You must take for yourself Jesus into your heart. Not your father taking for you, your mother, your tribe, no. 150 years of Christianity doesn't mean everyone in Nagaland is a Christian. You must take for yourself. It must be a personal faith. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbors next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall take your count for the lamb. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish. That means no imperfection. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. See, this is a type of Jesus because Jesus was perfect. He was sinless and he was only 33 years old when he was on the cross. He was in the prime of his youth, just like the lamb must be without blemish. Young. All right, let's look at the next verse. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. You shall take the lamb, keep it in your house for 14 days. A lamb is a very, very beautiful, gentle creature. Do you know that? If you keep a lamb in your house for 14 days, I'm telling you, you will fall in love with the lamb. You will become close in your heart to the lamb. So what does it mean? It means this. Jesus became like one of us. Jesus was very human, completely human. Jesus was completely Jew so that the Jews would take him as his own. Jesus was completely man so that we, as it says in the book of Luke, the Son of Man will take him as our own. And by seeing his stories and his humanity, our hearts would connect with him, identify with him. The Bible says Jesus was in all points tempted as we are just like a human being and yet without sin. Jesus was just like us. And the whole congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. The time between sundown and night. That's the same time when Jesus died 
on the cross. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Look at the next verse, verse 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. Look at the slide. How they are supposed to put the blood on the lintel and on the door. The lintel in today's language is called the trokat, the door. All right. So if you look at the slide, when they take the lamb, the lamb is usually killed at the threshold. The threshold. The threshold is the bottom part of the entrance to the house, the door. So the lamb is usually killed there. Usually they'll have a small dugout, like a nala where the blood flows. And I want you to just picture the father of the house coming with the hyssop. And the first thing he does is he takes the blood from the bottom, right? And he puts it on the top. And he takes the blood, puts it on the side. What shape is this? It's the cross. And the four points where the blood is, is also the four points that Jesus' blood flowed on the cross. The head, the two hands, the feet that were nailed. What is this a picture of? The cross. The Israelites did not know. Moses did not know. It was not revealed to them yet. But even in their simple obedience, the power of the cross was working for them even then. They were saved by believing in the type, the shadow. How much more today our faith should be to be free from every oppression of darkness. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. They shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Unleavened bread talks about the sinless body of Jesus. The meat is to be roasted in fire. Why fire? Because the next verse says, Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire. It must not be raw. It must not be boiled. Raw means... It is not cooked, right? Boil is cooked, but it is watered down. The taste is gone. But when it is cooked on fire, do you know that the true taste of the meat stays there? The fat and everything, the taste, you get it. What does that mean for us today? It means this. Fire always represents judgment. And the meat that was burned represents that the body of Jesus that was on the cross, the life of Jesus was on the cross the fire of God's judgment came on him. All our curse, all our sins came on him. And the fire of God's judgment against sin came on Jesus and Jesus took it. Jesus was burning on the cross with the fire of God's judgment and that's why he said, I thirst. And Moses, the instruction from God is, eat it, eat the meat burnt. What does it mean? It means that Jesus, you believe, that Jesus you eat, how do you eat? By faith, by words you believe. The Jesus you eat must be the Jesus who took your sins, your condemnation, your guilt on the cross. It is the complete gospel. Don't believe in a half-baked gospel. Do you know that there are many religions in the world today that say, oh yes, Jesus, Jesus, yes, he was a good man. The founder of Christianity. 
They even said Jesus was a good teacher. He taught very good things. He was a good man. He was a good leader. Every religion acknowledges. Some religion even acknowledges that Jesus was a prophet sent from God and he did mighty miracles. They acknowledge that. But they don't believe in the Jesus that was burned in the fire of God's judgment. Because the fire of God's judgment, the gospel is this. Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. It is an exclusive gospel. People say every religion is the same. Nonsense. There is only one way to the Father. Only one way to eternity. Only one way to salvation. And that is through the man and God Jesus the cross that took our sins on His own body and the fire of God's judgment came on Him and Jesus consumed the judgment of God. That is the only way. That is what I call the strong Jesus. When we say Jesus was just a prophet, Jesus was just a good teacher, that's a watered down Jesus. You're not going to go to heaven. You're not going to receive salvation by believing in Jesus as a prophet, as a good man. Only when you believe that Jesus took your sins, Jesus took your judgment on His own body, and you believe that with every conviction in your heart, then you receive salvation. Can you say Amen? Don't believe in a boiled, watered-down gospel. Believe in the full gospel of grace. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 11. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist. You can look on the screen. You shall eat it with a belt on your waist, with rods in your hands, with sandals on your feet. Eat it in haste. What does it mean? It means this. Get ready for salvation. Get ready to be redeemed. Get ready to come out of whatever problem you are. Get ready to come out of your slavery when you eat it. Today when you take communion, don't take it lazily. Ah, every Sunday we take communion in faith. No, that's no faith. Take it with enthusiasm. See, God was telling them in this picture, when you take it, take it ready to come out. Every Sunday you should come to church ready to come out of whatever problem you are in. Faith is very essential to receiving any blessing from God. Don't ever take the Bible as tradition. Don't ever come to church with a traditional culture mentality. Oh, every Sunday the church. That's why you're not receiving. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. And then what happened? For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment, I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Hallelujah. Do you know that the blood is your protection even today? Your redemption from every judgment. Hallelujah. From condemnation. Hallelujah. So let's look at the effect of the Passover lamb. Number one, the first effect is this. The judgment passed over and death did not come into the homes of the Israelites. Death did not come into the home of the Israelites because 
Passover. Every house of the Egyptian experienced death that night. They were crying and wailing that night. Every house of the Egyptians, they were digging or burning the bodies, whatever they do in Egypt at that time. The smell of death was filled all over Egypt. Only in Goshen, where the Israelites stayed, there was life. Life. Just try to picture this. Even nowadays, when somebody dies in the colony, there's a somber mood of death that descends on everyone. But if every house in Kohima experiences death today, how terrible would it be? That's what happened in Egypt. And yet only in one colony in Kohima, there is life. Can you imagine the difference? Can you imagine the gulf? Can you imagine the gap between death and life? That's what the cross brings. Hallelujah. But what's the second effect? Psalms 105 verse 37. What's the second effect? The second effect is this. He also brought them out with silver and gold. This is a prophecy in Psalms about how God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. And so, the psalmist is saying, God brought them out with silver and gold. And there was none feeble among His tribes. The word feeble means weak in body. There was not a single person sick that came out of Egypt. Now, when I just say that, you're like, oh, yes, yes. But you have to think about it. See, there are about 2.5 to 3 million slaves in Egypt. And they are slaves. Slaves don't get the best food. And a few days before that, Pharaoh was so angry, he increased their work, he removed the provisions, he made them work the whole day and night. So obviously, they're having cramps and they're having backaches and all of them are tired and weak, right? And they are not just young people. They are mothers and fathers and little kids. 2.5 million to 3 million people coming out of slavery and not a single sick person. They were not coming out. They were not coming out like that. See, some of you, 40 years old, don't want to go to church anymore. I have backache as you 40 years old, and you're complaining about your body. Don't want to go, ah, hilagiho. See, the power of redemption, the power of resurrection is not working in your body, in your life. Not a single person came out of Egypt dragging their feet. Everyone came out running. Why? They ate the body of the Lamb. Every Israelite ate. And when they ate, there was a supernatural healing released to every person in their body so that not a single person came out sick. Oh, they came out running, I tell you. Usain Bolt would have been left behind. Amen. It's the truth. Now, how does this apply to us? Well, Jesus is our Passover. The bread we take is His body. The juice we drink is His blood. 
Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 29 to 30. Oh, let the word of God bring revelation to your heart today. Don't take this as ritual. You must believe this and you must start practicing communion daily in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, not unworthy person, unworthy manner, referring to the way, not the person. If we really want to make sure that we are all worthy, no one is worthy all over the earth today to take communion. We are made worthy by the blood of Jesus and His grace. Can you say hallelujah? In an unworthy manner. So the manner is important. Eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So, discerning the Lord's body. If you discern, the word discern means to understand, to esteem. It means to recognize the Lord's body, not just the blood. If you would recognize the Lord's body, you will not drink judgment to yourself. Alright? Verse 30, For this reason, one reason, not many reasons, one reason. What reason? Because you don't discern the Lord's body. Because you don't understand the power in the body. You don't understand the purpose of the body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. So this truth says, because you don't discern the body, you are sick and weak and you die early. Which means the opposite truth is also very true. But if you will discern the Lord's body and by faith you take in a worthy manner, by faith, then you will not be weak but you'll be strong. You will not be sick, you'll be healthy and you will live long. Hallelujah! Through the simple way of eating, God has instituted the ordinance of the Holy Communion that by taking this, it's better than pills. It's better than vitamins. It's better than anything you take for your health. Now, health has become a big issue. We're all talking about organic, organic, organic. We all want to go and buy the best. We all want to make sure we're taking vegetables and vitamins. And we're all talking about how we can eat so that we can improve our health, right? Eating is the way to good health. Yes or no? Yes. Not eating also for some of you. Eating is the way to good health. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, as much attention as we give to eating the right food, I believe we should give to taking communion. Discerning it and taking it. Oh, thank you, Lord God. Smith Wigglesworth testifies about how the power of God that he walks in daily, that gives him authority over sickness, demons that he prays for people, comes from the communion he takes every day. Every day he takes communion so that he's conscious. Conscious that he's righteous, forgiven, conscious that he's healed, conscious of God in him. It's a daily faith. If you will discern, you will not be weak, but you will be strong. This is not only for sick people, I tell you. This message is for everyone 
How many of you want to be weak? Can I see your hands? No, all of you want to be strong in your body, right? Yes. The communion is away. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Let's look at the next picture. The bronze serpents. Go to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. They were discouraged, they complained. Discouraged, complained. Discouraged, complained. Discouragement and complaining go together. They are twins. And you see a lot of complaining. It means that discouragement came first into the heart. And they spoke against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Sounds like some Nagas. Right? Why? So the Lord sent fiery serpents against the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. Now, look at verse 4. The people spoke against God and against Moses. But listen to what they said. Why have you? They did not point directly at God. They said, why have you Moses? But God took that as against him. Are you following? Sometimes when you complain against the church, God takes it personally. Do you know that? You complain against the church, but God says, why are you complaining against me? Remember the time when Paul was chasing down Christians and putting them into prison? And Jesus came and said, why are you persecuting me? Oh, not you, Lord, only the Christians. Jesus said, that's me. Why are you persecuting me? This is a lesson for us. Don't complain against any church. You'd be foolish. No matter how imperfect, don't complain against any church. If you don't like it, leave. Don't stay there and keep on complaining your whole life. You will not be blessed. You will never find a perfect church. But you can choose according to where you feel connected and where the vision and the word is hot, is right for you. But don't complain. These people complain against Moses, but God said they are complaining against me. Now, complaining is a very small thing, right? Eh, complaining. Complaining. Wow. Complaining is big to God. In fact, the Bible says in Corinthians that they could not enter into the promised land because they complained. I don't know about pan biri cigarette. It's not good. Don't take pan biri cigarette. Complaining is the sin of the spirit. Pan biri cigarette is a sin of your flesh. Spirit. Pride. Pride in the spirit is more ugly than talab in your mouth. Talab in your mouth is good. It's not good. It will destroy you. Your body. Are you with me? 
But pride in your spirit will destroy you more. Some people don't have talab in their mouth, but they are full of pride in the spirit. I don't believe anyone. I will not submit to anyone. That's ugly. Anyway, let's go on. Hallelujah. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. It's not that the Lord sent, the Lord removed His grace. If you understand the goodness, the complete wisdom and counsel of God, the Lord removed His protection over the people because they complained and fiery serpents came. Alright? And they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. Ah, the bite of the serpent. The serpent in the Bible is always referring to the tempter, it's referring to sin, referring to Satan. So when we complain, we actually open doors for the enemy to actually come and bite us. The bite of the serpent. Have you ever been bit by the serpent? Whenever the serpent bites, any serpent, there's poison. It's painful, there's poison that's released, and it begins to poison the body, right? Physically, naturally. So in a spiritual sense, if a serpent has bitten you, it's going to produce death in your life. Death in your life. Let me tell you this. A physical serpent may not have bitten you, but all of us have experienced the bite of the serpent in our life. Many years back, our mother came for prayer. She was experiencing panic attacks. She could not sleep for many months. She was almost getting depressed, nervous. She was just filled with unexplainable fear and she doesn't know why. So as I began to talk to her, I discovered that in the office where she was working, there was sudden investigation that came and there was false accusation that was leveled against her. And because the fear from that false accusation, you have done wrong, you have done wrong, we're going to find out, we're going to destroy you. All those thoughts came and assailed her mind and her soul and she gave in to fear. Fear is a bite of the serpent. If you're struggling with fear today, inexplainable, unfathomable, can't sleep at night, you're experiencing the bite of the serpent in your life. Another young man that I counseled in the hospital, when he was just a teenager, his own father, drunk, told him, you are hopeless. You will never do anything good. His own father cursed him with those words that hurt him so much. It brought so much trauma, so much confusion to his identity that he ended up an alcoholic himself. Angry, bitter, hateful against his father. What is that? That's poison in the soul. And where did that poison came? It came from the bite of the serpent through the fathers. See, the bite of the serpent doesn't come from a literal serpent. It comes from how the enemy uses circumstances, people, events in your life to come and assail you, afflict you. Hallelujah. The bite of the serpent. So what did God tell them? Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent. The word there is actually bronze serpent, all right? A bronze serpent. And set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone that is bitten, when he looks at it, when he looks at the bronze serpent. So the bronze serpent, can you see there? When you look at that bronze serpent, shall live. Shall live and not die. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on the pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. When he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So just imagine this. Snakes, people are, and then biting, people are shouting. And then Moses is saying, Lord, what do I do? God says, make a bronze serpent and put it in the midst of the camp. Everyone who comes and looks at it shall live. So the word goes around the camp. If you look at the bronze serpent, you will live. If you look at the bronze serpent, you will live. People are there in the tents. They are about to die. Yeah, people are crying. Yeah, my mother's about to die. Smoke and dust and chicken is flying. Goats are running around because everyone is running from the snake. People have been bitten. Ah, ma, ah, ma, Mother is coming and then the father is saying, mama, mama. So the mother's running to the town, to the father. It's confusion, right? In the midst of all that confusion, and all that noise. You don't know where you to look. Should I look at the mother? Should I look at the chicken? Should I look? In the midst of all of that, God is saying, look at the bronze serpent. Do you know that you have to take your eyes away from your own wound, from your pain, from your son who may be dying also. You have to take your eyes away from your son and from your wife, from your neighbor and look to the bronze serpent. And the one who looks at it shall live. What's so special about the bronze serpent? Well, because the bronze serpent is a type of Jesus. In John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Put that verse on the screen. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus is saying, that bronze serpent is me. You know, the bronze, bronze, brass is a type of fire. Judgment. In the Bible, bronze always means judgment. Judgment. That's why the altar of sacrifice is made of bronze in the tabernacle of Moses. Because that's the place where the sin sacrifice is burned. The judgment of God. Hallelujah. So the bronze serpent means this. The serpent is a cursed animal. The first that was cursed was the serpent. God cursed the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Yes or no? So what does it mean? It means this. Jesus on the cross took your curse. Jesus became a curse for you. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Jesus became a curse. Just as the bronze serpent was cursed, so was Jesus. Just as the brass is made through fire, even the fire of God came upon Jesus. So the serpent and Jesus are the same. The serpent is a picture, a type, a shadow of Jesus, the true. See, both were raised up to save men from death. Both were raised up 
to heal man from the sickness. Both were speaking of sin. The sin of the Israelites came on the brass serpent. The sins of humanity come on Jesus. Both speaks of judgment. Both absorbed the wrath of God for sin. Both required personal faith. And both provided free salvation. The Israelites complained, but just by looking, they are healed. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. What the Egyptians, what the Israelites needed in the Passover was faith. To obey and to kill the Passover. What the Israelites needed in Numbers 21 was faith. Moses says, look, look, look intently. The word look at the, look at the bronze servant. The word look means to gaze intently. To look. Just like you're looking at YouTube, right? Your videos on your phone. You're looking at it too much, you can't even see the milk is boiling. Have anyone experienced that? I have. There's a good way for your wife to shout at you. Right? You're looking at the YouTube, your chicken is getting burnt. That's what it means. Look so intently at the cross so that you're not aware of things around you. It talks about meditation. It talks about faith. It talks about prayer. And then you will be healed. Look at these two pictures. Both are pictures. Both are types, shadows of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, if in the Old Testament, the picture could heal you, how much more today when you are in the new covenant, the true substance of Jesus and when I say substance, I'm not talking about Him in the flesh. I'm talking about Him in the spirit. When He lives in your heart, how much more will He not heal you? If I put a picture of me here, and I'm not here, my picture is here, and behind the picture is a speaker, and the voice is coming out from behind my picture, how many of you will enjoy that? Huh? You won't. Right? But when the person comes, the picture is not required anymore, right? In the same way, if the picture of the cross in the Old Testament, the Passover lamb and the bronze servant could heal them and deliver them and save them, how much more today? There is healing and deliverance in the atonement. The atonement. It's all about our faith. Hallelujah. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com. 
then visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.